Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where Steve and I chat about all things Porsche. It's Wednesday morning. We're recording Friday's episode. Good morning, Steve. Good evening. Good, uh, good hey, afternoon, Mitch. actually. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm all right. How is your house hunting? Mm, yeah, next. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not fun. Not fun? Not I don't understand. Can I ask a question? I always like to start the podcast with a COVID question. I don't understand yeah. how Australia is in such a mess and they're still allowing house viewings. Yeah, I don't get it either. But mind you, so I've always sort of said that, um, like my wife and I, I don't really want to get into too much kind of personal detail about it, but um, uh, we're super careful. And they're just one-on-ones. Like you're literally like one person into the house with like a real estate agent and that's it. Oh, really? So just one like, at a time? Yes. Even, like, and even if you're a couple, um, we're bringing the kids and they're sort of sitting in the car, so one's minding the kids in the car and the other one's walking in. Are you allowed so, to take videos and, and pictures while you go in or not? Never tried, I don't know. Oh, really? Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I think, like, to the def- I I also kind of agree. It's like, I don't really get, like, why is it that important? Like, I think it'd be different if you were renting and you'd lost your home. Um, you kind of got pushed out and you needed to kind of find something quick. But it's a bit harder to kind of um, argue that, you know, like you need to kind of get buy a new house, you know, super urgently. But then mm-hmm. one thing that does sort of factor in is that, you know, like, um, for example, us, if you're pre-approved um, for your, um, your new monster mortgage, that only lasts three months. Yeah, you got to so be quick. So then, if you kind of have to go again, like you do, sort of slightly feel like you've got this three-month window, which is just being the life of it's being sucked out by kind of um, COVID and a lockdown. But yeah, well, you know, they're all first-world problems. Yeah, they are, and I'm glad I'm not in lockdown. I have to say, um, you know, the one thing I do like about Bahrain is the weather. I keep saying it. Natasha, yeah. Natasha, my wife doesn't like it. She doesn't like the heat. Um, it's oh, not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel super hot. It's hot. No, it is hot. What am I telling you about? We went down to, um, <laughs> we went down to the avenues, one of the malls here, the, the newer mall on the water. Right. I posted a picture on my Instagram, actually on stories. Um, and we're inside the mall and you know, you go outside, you know what I mean? As soon as you walk outside, yeah. because it's got a great view of Bahrain Harbor there where you can take a great photo. Um, as yeah. soon as you go outside, this was last Saturday, I think it was Saturday. Um, oh right. my God. The heat, it really does not. In the middle of the day, the heat knocks you around. You know what I mean? Like, I go yeah. to the gym. I go to the gym. Every, we go to the gym every day upstairs. You know, there's no limit. Yeah. There's no restrictions here now. The gym's open upstairs. Yeah. And, you know, after about an hour or so, I'll just go and sit outside. I'll sit by the pool. Sometimes I'll go for a swim. Other times I won't. But I'll just sit in the sun for like, well, I say yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> I say 20 minutes. I think my limit is about 15, and then I just have to get out of there. Yesterday, you look it was. A bit pink. <laughs> yesterday, you it was. You have a so, little blushing tone. To I you. am. I am. I got a bit sunburned yesterday. And yesterday, yesterday, I normally don't put my, my running shoes back on, right? I normally just walk on the tiles and I just run across yeah. the tiles. Yesterday, I had to. I literally had to turn back. Too I had hot. to turn back yeah. and go back on the seat and put my shoes on because the tiles were so hot. I'm not kidding. They were roasting my feet, Steve. They were absolutely roasting. And this is like. You know, 30, 12 o'clock, you know, yeah, middle right. of the day. So um, it's a bit crazy. Hey, let's start with Patreon because we've got a new member for Patreon this week. Um, mm-hmm. Michael, 
good name. Michael, I don't know much about you. I don't think I know much about you. I'm, I've said this before, and then people call me out and say, you know, you do know who I am. But I don't think I know Michael, but Michael's joined Patreon. Uh, Patreon is where you can go and um, support the podcast. It's Porsche Cooled. On Patreon, you do a search on Patreon, it'll come up straight away, or you go patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. Uh, it just helps keep us talking. Um, as you know, the podcast is not sponsored in any other way. That's the only way we make uh, a little bit of money to just upgrade our equipment, etc. Um, Porsche Cooled Owner Story, Steve, have you listened to it this week? Uh, I haven't. It only went live here this morning. And I didn't so send it to you. I had such a crazy Sorry. day yesterday. Sorry, my my day yesterday was just insane. Um, I'm all over the shop anyway. I wouldn't have had a chance to listen to it even if you did send it to me. Um, Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. I know you're listening. Uh, I had a great chat with Benjamin. It went a little bit longer than usual, um, and it went a bit longer than usual because uh, Benjamin has a lot has had a lot of cars. Um, of it's car a good history. Yeah, it's a good story, Steve. I think you might enjoy it. Uh, Benjamin was a really nice guy. I really enjoyed the chat. He's from North Carolina in the US. Um, he's a longtime car enthusiast and he's a hack mechanic, as he calls himself. I must be, mm-hmm. I, I feel a bit dumb sometimes because I didn't know what a hack mechanic was. I had to ask um, Benjamin at the end what it was. Mm. Um, but now I know. Um, but he's got. I know. I think you will like it because you've seen the pictures of his car. I've sent it to you already. Yep. Um, his 1995 yep. uh, 993 Carrera 2 in your mm-hmm. old favourite colour. Yep. A Ventura, or in America it's called a Aventurine. Aventurine, Aventurine. How do you, what's the proper pronunciation? What's the proper? I can't even say pronunciation. What's the proper pronunciation of that in your Don't mind? Know. But in, in, in Australia it was Aventura, not Aventura. Aventurine. Aventurine. Yeah, but we always pronounce things differently. Aluminum, yeah. aluminium, same thing. Correct? Kind Potato. of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Benjamin's got, the, Benjamin's got his 993. Um, it's, a, it, it's a really nice example. Um, I want to talk about the wheels because I probably think that you probably don't like them, Steve, but I want to talk about the wheels as well in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, he's yeah. also got, Benjamin's also got a Boxster. He's got an 03 Boxster S manual, um, basalt black, cool. natural tan interior. I was never a fan yeah. of the natural tan interiors on Boxsters when they were around, around 2004. Now I see them and I find the black a little bit, I don't know. Is that, um, I just is like, that Savannah? Yeah. Are talking uh, the tan colour? Yeah, I think it is. I think he's a Savannah. I'm not yeah. sure what color it is. That tan color. I don't know. I like the black and tan combination. I'm, 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 if I was ordering a new 911, which is never going to yep. happen, but if I was ordering a new 992, I would get the split yep. color dash interior. I wouldn't go with the yeah, black sure. interior. Oh, maybe I would. Maybe I'd go with the Sportex because I really do like that Sportex interior in the 992. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I like that weave of that seat. I think it's a really nice looking seat. Um, Benjamin also has a, a 97 Land Rover. Quite reliable, mm-hmm. Steve, just so you know. Not unreliable. Um, okay. In beluga black, as per the caviar. Um, mm-hmm. So he's got one of those. But basically, uh, Benjamin sent me... Benjamin, over the last... I don't know, since... Tw- I think it was in 2020, Benjamin first reached out to me. He sent me a 912. Uh, this beautiful 912 that's for sale in his area. Um, it's still for mm-hmm. sale. It's this orange 912, Steve. It's very, very nice, but it's it's yeah, up there in price. And I shared it with you, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say it too yeah. much because other people will find it. But it because um, I still look at it and drool over it. Like, that's the perfect one. Um, and apparently yeah. it was, Benjamin was saying to me, that the mechanic that worked on that is a really 
well-respected mechanic. I think he said Ferrari mechanic, though. I think he said Ferrari mechanic, but well-respected mechanic that works on it. The whole engine's been rebuilt on that car. Um, it's a really mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful example. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off track. Benjamin's got a great story. Um, he started with air-cooled VWs. He bought a Volkswagen Beetle when he was 14. He bought a Volkswagen Beetle before he could even get his license, Steve, and he worked on it um, so that when he got his license, uh, he had a really cool car to drive. Um, his friends did the same sort of thing. That's what they did. They worked on cars. Um, I know when I was growing up in, uh, when I was in Wyong in, in New South Wales in Australia, I know that I had a few friends that used to do that as well. Um, but they were doing it with um, Tiranas at the time. They were doing it with Tiranas and fixing it up. I had a friend that was fixing up a Tirana um, GTR, which he had, which was not that expensive at the time. I don't think any of my mates at that age were sort of into cars. I think it's pretty cool though, right? It's pretty cool that you you get it at 14 and you work on it, you rebuild it, you fix it, and then it's, you know, you get your license and you've got this Volkswagen. And of course, I guess Volkswagens then, Volkswagens then though, I guess you go back, you know, um, maybe they weren't as popular as what they are now. I mean, as I've said before, when I was in high school, a lot of people had Beatles and Combi vans. It was just because they were cheap. They were cheap. And in a surf area, they were the sort of cars that people drove. You know, that's what the cars that had the surfboards on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Benjamin, you know, Benjamin said he had the 993, he had the Boxster, he had a lot of other cars. He sent me the list of cars. He's had 40, I think it was 44 cars um, over the period Mm. of his car collection. He's had 44 cars. He's owned like 70s Mercedes, a lot of V-dubs, Beatles. He had that BMW M Coupe, Steve. Um, He's had some clown shoe. Yeah. I don't mind that car. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, it's cool. The engine in it would be um, pretty bloody amazing. So, I remember, I remember when I lived in Elizabeth Bay in Sydney, and I saw a guy in one of mm. those, and I thought mm. at the time it was like so odd. And then I keep seeing it, you know, because he lived, you know, down on Elizabeth Bay Road or whatever, and I used to live on the other street, yeah. Roslyn Gardens, and yeah. you know, I keep seeing it and keep seeing. It, I think, man, that's a really cool car. And they, when they came out, they were so expensive, right? So expensive. Oh, were they, I think, weren't they cheaper than the equivalent M3? Really? I thought they I were a lot. I think maybe they... No, I, I know they're really rare, but, um, yeah, I don't think they were that kind of crazy, do you? Maybe I've got the wrong one. Yeah, anyway. The funny shape one that looks like a funny yeah, yeah. shape with a hard roof. Like a bread van. Yeah, like yeah. a bread van, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't really come up for yeah. sale anymore. They're very, I mean... No, super, super, super scarce. I saw one on car sales, but when they come up, they've, they've got reasonably high, high kilometres as well. They're pretty high in, in the miles. People have driven yeah. them, which I guess is a good yeah. thing. But anyway, yeah. Benjamin's got a great story. Uh, that's owner's stories this week. Owner's stories number, let me, 48, I think it is. Owner's stories number 48 uh, uh-huh. with Benjamin from Charlotte in North Carolina. Have a listen to it, Steve. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, yeah, cool. Like I said, I had, a, I had a really good chat with Benjamin. And if you want to go and follow him... It's Mod Classic Cars. Mod Classic Cars on Instagram. He's just set up an Instagram. He didn't have one. It's Mod Classic Cars. You can go and check out uh, his, um, his cars on there. And he's posting things all the time now. Sorry. Steve, I want to talk yep. about... I want to talk about... Where am I? I'm looking at my notes because I'm a bit sleepy this morning. It's okay. I'm not really with it either. I want to talk about Matt Farrer, actually. I just want to talk about the Safari. Because I, I wrote it down in my yep. notes a while ago. And I think I was actually yep. wrong. Um, and I'm glad I didn't put it in a previous episode, but I'm going to just talk about it now. I just thought, you know, like these people that do these, these Safari conversion cars, you know, these Lee Keens, yeah. um, Lee Keens Safari, you know, the Rod Emery, you know, Outlaw 356s, which is a little bit different, but these custom cars. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're a really good investment. 
You know what I mean? Like Matt Farah had his 88, whatever it was, 911 Carrera 3.2 G50, and which yep. looked pretty immaculate when he first bought it. And people who don't know, who have been living somewhere else in the Porsche world, then yep. he basically got Lee Keen. Lee Keen has um, Keen Project, which he does the Safari 911s. I forget what number he's up to now. Um, there's mm-hmm. a really, there's another really good one on Instagram called Muffin the Safari. I think it is his handle on Instagram. His his um, page. He's got a green one with white wheels. I kind of like that one. I like the green with the white wheels. It's kind of like really cool. I know you're a white wheel fan, Steve. Yeah, yeah, massive. But it's interesting when Matt Fa- Matt Farah how he just. I don't know why he didn't post many videos of that safari. Now, my my assumption... He did it first. He did it first. He posted a couple, but then he stopped. And he owned that car over a three-year period. I didn't realise it was that long. And I thought mm. I thought he never really liked it because I remember him talking on a podcast how he, he had this car from Lee Keen and he didn't like how the engine was set up. He didn't like the, the transmission and he sent it to that guy that they use in Los Angeles, TLC or whatever it's called, mm, the Tony guy. Yep. And he had it Mar- reworked. Marco? So. Marco, wasn't it? So it was so it's yeah. so he made it so it was more um drivable, right? He didn't like yep. something had, to do with the gearing. Do you remember what it was? It had no, it had two racier cam in it. Um so he figured that for a street car, like you'd had he you kinda had to rev it out too much, so he switched that back. I think there was something about the clutch as well, that the clutch may have been a bit too heavy or something like that. That's right. He said the clutch was too heavy. And I listened to the podcast with, uh, I think it was when he was talking to Hannah Elliott. Maybe it was a different one. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a Crucio one. Um, and he said that was one of the reasons why he sold it, right? Because for day, even though he wanted it as a daily around Los Angeles or whatever, he found yeah. the clutch too heavy and he's got a gummy knee, right? So his knee's not great. So he couldn't really yeah. drive it that well. And that's when he said yep. how many miles he did on the car in, in three years. And I forget the number, but I think it was like 5,000 or 6,000 miles or something. It was a reasonable yep. amount of miles. And I was going to say in a previous episode, because I noticed that he'd sold it. And, he, and just for the yep. listeners, if you don't know about this, these Safari Keens, I think, I think the price I saw quoted, I don't know whether this is still the case, Steve, was about 100K for a Lee Keen Safari. US. US. But I don't think without that included, the, without the donor car, The donor right? car. And that was the price. Yeah. That was a price not recently. That was a price about a year ago. Um, apparently, there's a waiting list. People want it. Um, I think he helps find the donor car if you need him to. I think he'll do that. Or you can just give him the donor car. Matt Farah obviously gave him a very good quality donor car. I don't know whether you need to give a donor car that's that sorted. I don't know if it'll make a big well, difference or not. Maybe it'll increase your cost if you don't. You say good quality, but then it needed an engine rebuild pretty much after he got the car back. Exactly. Which had nothing to do with Lee Keen, so... Yeah, exactly, actually. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I always thought, I thought that, you know, he hated this car, right? Because he didn't post many videos. He said he was going to drive it every day, and then all of a sudden he's buying a 328 GTS and saying he's going to drive that every day. Now, hmm. I'm just wondering if these Safari cars are a little bit like that. I'm getting to a point here, you know, that, you know, yeah, they look cool. They look very, you know, like... Like that Baja one that the guy that was did concept work yeah. for Singer that left Singer, left Singer and built his own, you know, Baja 911, yeah. which is a very cool one. But is this yeah. the sort of car that you want to drive every day? You know what I mean? Even though you think it's an um, everyday, like, city car can go over gutters, I can drive this every day, I can get around. Is it? I don't think it is. You know what I mean? I think that's where it's wrong. I think the people that really enjoy these cars are those people that you see that go out with Lee Keen on his Instagram, are the people that go on these take it off road, 
go for four days, you drive the hell out of it, and then you put it back in your garage. It seems like they're the people that really enjoy these cars. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I had a different impression from what you had tapped out in the notes um, when you sort of said you thought your impression was that he didn't like it. I never got that. I just sort of felt like he was tweaking it as he kind of went along and he had to sort of make adjustments. And he did he did do quite a few videos, at, well, not quite a few, but he did do videos at the beginning. But when you think about it, he doesn't actually do that many videos on any of his cars. I think, you know, like even on his podcast, like when somebody kind of goes, oh, how's your Ferrari going or whatever, he sort of answers it really quickly and sort of says, I don't really, like, you know, we've been over this like many a time, so um, I'll tell you kind of off mic sort of thing. So I think... It's, uh, to me, I just kind of got the impression that he was wary of over-exposing and talking about, you know, not just that car, but all of his cars. Yeah, it surprises... So I didn't, mm, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that he hated it or anything like that. Um, and when he sort of was talking, I think it wasn't the latest one, it was about two episodes ago when he just sort of said that he shifted it, he got rid of it. To me, it sounded like he was just cashing in, that basically leaking... Um, obviously has his waiting list. He had a buyer because he sold it back to Lee Keen and then Lee Keen sold it in the next day. And oh, really? um, he got a good, yeah, he got a good price for it because it was ex Matt Farah. So, um, oh, I thought he sold it. Sounded, it Okay. It sounded to me like um, it was just like, yeah, take it or leave it kind of thing. But as with everything, as we've sort of said, everything has its price. So like, I think he kind of got really good money for it and that's why he kind of moved it on. Well, in, in the podcast I just listened to, he said he got he made a, a lot of money, he said. Yeah. He's, whoever yeah. he was talking to, he said he made a lot. I thought he sold it directly to the new buyer. He said it sold in one day. I didn't realize he sold it back to Lee Keen. Well, maybe it was, it was obviously facilitated by Lee Keen, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, it just shows you the power of, of the market at the moment as well, but the power of that safari yeah. market. I guess people want something unique. I mean, there's a lot of people I know in the Porsche camp that don't like how these cars are being used up for safaris. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, yeah. Rod Emery's been doing it with 356s. They're not, you know, he reworks them to their, you know, not really original anymore, doesn't he? I mean, they're not really, you know, they work the same a as Safari's, Singer. arguably a Safari is like a bit more extreme than what, like, you know, Rod Emery does to cars, isn't it? I guess, I guess. But, I mean, these Safari cars, you know, <clears throat> like there's a 997 one doing the rounds on Instagram. I don't know whether you've seen yeah. that. Someone's done a 997 yeah, Safari. I mean, is yep. that something you would do to a 997? You know what I mean? Like, no. would I say, mm, hey, I've got my 997 Carrera. Should I turn it into a Safari? Because um, I yeah, had this really good idea. I had a really good idea the other day. You're going to love this. And I know the listeners are going to laugh when I say this. I had a really good idea. Yeah. And this was after seeing um, Muffin the Safari on Instagram, the green one with the white Fuchs wheels. Right. And I thought, hmm, maybe to make my car look a bit fresher, my 997 yeah. Carrera, Maybe what I should do is I should put a white Porsche stripe on the side, right? And yep. then I thought, well, the white Porsche stripe is not... I that to you before. Yep. But the white Porsche stripe is not going to really work that well with the um, lobsters as they are, in my mind. So I thought, maybe I can get a second set of lobsters mm -hmm. and maybe I can get them custom uh, refurbished in white and have a pair of <laughs> white lobsters. I'm serious. <laughs> I was thinking about this and I thought... I know you are. I could have a pair of white, the white custom lobsters with the white, and I don't know if it's the negative, if you call it the negative, you know more about the Steve with graphics, but the is it the negative Porsche logo, like was on the 914s, 
Would that look better? With I the think thicker I'm, stripe and the letters are cut out of the thick stripe, you mean? Yeah, I think they call it negative, don't they? People say yeah, negative it's, stripe. It's a lot more retro looking, yes. Yeah, and I thought maybe you have that on the side, that Porsche on the side, and then you have the white lobsters. Because I think the lobster wheel, and I've said this before, right? We've talked about this before, that the lobster is the new Fuchs or whatever, right? It is to me like that. Well, you think gen- it is? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I think it is, right? And... I'm thinking, you know, if you got them refurbished in white, and I know you know a couple of places yeah. in Sydney, and if I could pick up a cheap yeah. pair in white, maybe I should try it. I was thinking about it. I hope Natasha doesn't listen to this. She's going to be, like, going crazy at me. But I just think I should try it. I once, especially if I can get rid of those Techart 20 inches that I have in, have in um, storage yeah. in Sydney. If anyone wants a pair of 20-inch Techart wheels at a really cheap price, um, contact me, and when I come back, they, they are definitely for sale. They are definitely for sale, and they're super cheap, and they'll fit a Kayan as well anyone in Australia that's listening who wants <laughs> wants these wheels. Seriously, I've got to get rid of them. Um, what do you think? Um, I don't like white wheels, so you're talking to the wrong person. I've always said that I think white, a white stripe would work on your car, and I do actually think that it would work with silver wheels. Like, I think it's not that far gone that it won't um, sort of look funny, but... Um, it's your car. Do whatever you want. Like, uh, if you want to, if you actually wanted to test the water, the other way to do that is just to um, use Plasti Dip. Um, use the Plasti Dip paint and spray, like spray your stuff. wheels and have a look at, um, have a look and see what. You, but like a second set of wheels, like lobsters aren't are still, un, <laughs> d- despite your want for them to be the new new Fuchs, um, they're not. And I think like you can still pick them up pretty cheap, can't you? By the way, I didn't I didn't mention it last week. Excuse me, I didn't mention it last week when we're, uh, in last week's owner stories with Matt from Victoria yep. with his um, 996. Did you notice and did you look at the pictures of his Instagram, how he changed the wheels, how it had aftermarket wheels, and he actually got the GT3 wheels? He said it in the podcast, actually. I only saw it on the GT3 wheels. Yeah. I saw it on the, um, the multi-spoke BBS GT3 two-piece wheels. Yeah, because he had other wheels before, and then he picked up those, right. and then he put them on the car um, just after the podcast, and then he posted a picture. Those wheels look yep. so good, don't they? There's, there's so much. There was some. I, I think, and I know Matt, you're listening, but they were so much better than the um, <clears throat> than the original wheels he had on it. The aftermarket wheels. I didn't see the aftermarket ones, so I check can't it out. Comment Have a look. On that. Yeah. Yep. GT3s. You want to talk about GT3s? The first thing I want to talk about is that one. You. We're going to talk about a little bit about GT3s. Not so much about value, but a little bit um, because a couple of things annoyed Steve and I during the week on. <laughs> I'm easily annoyed, man. <laughs> <laughs> annoyed us on YouTube, and we're gonna and I'm gonna call it out because I don't care. Um, so, PTS Shades on Instagram. If you haven't been to PTS Shades on Instagram, go to go to the, that site, go to that page, I should say, and follow them. They have he has really good images of different colors that are coming out in in Porsches PTS colors, paint to sample colors. Um, Steve sent it to me during the week. I hadn't actually seen it. For some reason, I didn't see it in my feed. Um, and it's the millionth 911 that was done. If people, if you guys can remember that, the listeners can remember that, the green one, Irish green, right, Steve? Irish green. Yep. And Irish green Irish had green. gold lettering at the back. Someone's reimagined that. I'm going to steal that word. Reimagined it and done it in the 992 GT3 Touring. They've spec their 992 GT3 Touring out to be very similar to that car. What did you think of it, Steve? Yeah, I'm a little bit... Um I don't know. I'm a little bit sort of tired of green cars, but admittedly this one does look pretty cool. I don't know. I never really got the kind of green car phase, but then I also never really understood the green watch phase. So, But um, I'm not a massive kind of green person, even though now that I think about it, I actually have had green cars. 
Um, it, I don't know, the card, it does look pretty cool, I don't know, the silver mirrors, so it's, uh, it's Irish green, it's got, uh, silver wheels, it's got matching kind of silver, um, door mirrors, uh, ceramic brakes, but not, not, um, bucket seats, it's got the, um, sort of touring seats, but still with the, um, the recent 911R 50th and 50th anniversary, um, cloth, which I've kind of got in my car as well, which I quite like, and gold badging. Um, oh, and the wood trim. The wood trim is a little bit polarizing. I'm not sure about that. I really like it. I really yeah. like it. I like the and you've you've you know you've mentioned the main points. Um, yep. There's a few, few things I don't like. I like how yeah, you can spec it this much, though. I like how Porsche is giving you this option of most of the things. Now, in, in the text, the guy from PTS Shades makes the point that he's not sure whether the gold lettering would have come straight from Porsche because apparently gold lettering is a bit There's of a... With it. Yeah. Mm. Did you read it in the thing? He makes the point about the gold lettering being not so um, freely available by Porsche. Uh, he says yeah. like something like, you know, I'm uncertain if this is factory or not, simply because I remember some of the issues people ran into with the gold lettering on the Speedster, as Porsche would only apply them from factory on heritage models, but regardless, it does not complete the look rather well, but it does complete the look rather well here. So maybe the guy yeah. didn't have, maybe that's not from factory. But the car in general, I think there's one point which I think looks really, really good. And I think, two points actually, I think is that silver wheels are not really popular at the moment. People like black, people like the coloured wheels, you know. I they come back into fashion. I, I don't think, I think you think they've come back in fashion, Steve, because I think you're the top of the yeah. food chain. You know what I mean? I think you're early adopter I, and I, I think you're not. You are, and I think you really are. And I think you forget. And I think they haven't, I don't think everyone has embraced them as much as what, I know you think they are, and I think they are too. And I okay. think what's really nice yeah. on this car is the silver wheels contrasted with the yellow ceramic brakes right? Yep. How good that looks. And everyone thinks, oh, black wheels with yellow ceramic looks good or whatever. It doesn't. These silver wheels, and they look like more of a satin silver, are they? They look kind of satin. Yeah, they look satin. Yeah, yeah. So they're a satin silver wheel. They're not shiny. They've got the yellow ceramic brake calipers, you know, and then an option which most people wouldn't pick, and I didn't even know that was available, are the mirrors. And the mirrors look, yeah. you know, I know you've got carbon mirrors, but how good do the mirrors look in silver? They yeah. look really, yeah. really cool. And then you well, go in. It matches the um, trim work, the bright work around the window surrounds, which arguably used to be really kind of old fashioned because yeah. it sort of, I guess, references like chrome on like, you know, classic kind of cars. Everybody's sort of like on hot, you know, like RS type Audis and stuff like that. Everybody deletes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and goes out of their way to kind of delete the silver trim. But on, um, it's not just this car. I think some tourings you can kind of see that a lot of people actually roll with it. And. Actually, this one's got um, silver door handles as well, which isn't common. Yes, and that's what I was going to get onto, and, and you're exactly right. Everyone deletes the silver. People get black trim, you know, gloss yeah. black trim or matte black trim. And also, you know, not only yeah. does it have the silver mirror caps, silver mirrors, it's got, like Steve said, silver door handles. But somehow, and I don't know, obviously maybe this works well on the green, um, yeah. but, but I think yeah, it, it does, comes together. Does. Doesn't it come together really well? And it just shows you that yeah. you shouldn't always follow the flock. You shouldn't always follow what everyone else is doing. You should have a little bit of, you know, creativity and do something a little bit different like this. And I know this person is based it on the, the 50, the hundred, whatever it is, millionth car. Um, but yeah. 
they have actually thought a little bit out the box and they haven't gone with what everyone is choosing at the moment. The thing inside I don't like, and I agree with you, Steve, the wood trim for me, and I know that's what the 50th, uh, the, what is it, the 100th millionth one had, right? Yep. yep. Um, I don't like the wood, but I get why I like he's it on the, done it. And I don't like the, the color of the wood. I don't like the color of yeah. the wood. You know, like on 992s, I think Volvo yeah. most recently kind of did it where it's actually like a proper bit of like a, a veneer, a veneered piece of wood, but it's not got the horrible kind of glossy laminate over the top of it. Yeah. Um, that's what makes it look kind of really out of keeping to me. If that was, um, yeah. you know, just sort of natural timber, that would look much better. You should have corrected me, Steve. I just said 100, 100 millionth 911, the millionth 911, millionth. not 100 millionth. What's wrong with me? I'm half asleep. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the new 992 wood is a nicer looking wood, isn't it? The wood you can option yeah, actually yeah, is a much is. nicer looking wood. So the wood I'm not keen on. Inside the interior, I like the seats. You know, that Steve's fabric is almost the same, right, Steve? Or is the same? Um, yeah, it is. I don't like the, I don't like the armrest with the, um, with yeah, the Peter I like fabric. Mine. I think that's a bit wrong. But I think the exterior of the car makes you, makes you think... Um, makes you think about, oh, I thought it was a 992 Touring. It's not a 992 Touring. No, 991.2. Yeah, sorry, I said 992 Touring. Sorry, it's not a 992, it's a 991.2. Um, but I think it's done really, really well. I actually do think it's done really, really well. And it's got GT3 lettering on the seats. Anyway, check that out if you haven't seen it. Um, I made a lot of mistakes in that conversation. One millionth, and it's a 991.2, not a 992. I don't know why I thought it was a 992. Steve, let's get into this. Um, let's just get into the GT3 thing. Now, Steve put a note on our notes. We have little notes, little point notes that's put together. Um, I'm a little yeah. slack with them. But Steve put something down that no one can buy a new GT3 anymore. And this was in the back of my mind. And, you know, yeah. that, that especially when I was watching a video on YouTube, which kind of annoyed me. Um, and this video was from um, a well-known person on YouTube called Mr. JWW. <laughs> and he just bought a GT3 in, what is it? Canary. Uh, Signal yellow. Signal yellow. Um, and he's going. Which is a cool color. Yeah, it's a great color. But, you know, if you want to polarize an audience a little bit, is that the word, Steve? If you want to polarize an audience, I think he'd done a really good job. And I had to stop watching the video. I couldn't watch it. And I know there's a lot of people listening yeah. who are probably going to disagree. Um, but, you know, for one, and Steve and I were talking about this before we started recording. And I don't know whether you agree with this, Steve, but. The thing that annoyed me the most was that his order of his videos in that the first one he posted was the Signal Yellow 992 GT3 and he kept harping on about the fact that he got how it's been so hard for him to get an allocation in PTS and, and yeah. this Porsche dealer that he dealt with gave him the allocation in the colour. And as I yeah. said to Steve, you know, one, in the UK, there was no PTS in 991.2. There was one guy that had one which was in the orange. Somehow he got one, but no one else could get PTS. It wasn't available. They didn't offer it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, of course he couldn't get it in PTS because, it, one, it wasn't available. And then he makes out the point that, you know, it wasn't about getting the allocation for the GT3 G3 that he was, you know, worried about. It was just getting the right color because obviously getting an allocation is just easy. Um, a lot of people are struggling to get allocation. And like you said in your post, in your notes, Steve, a lot of well-known people yeah. cannot get an allocation. I think I heard it on a podcast too. Even well-known people cannot get these allocations, correct? Yeah, the point that I sort of just noticed was, um, I don't know why, I was sort of semi-thinking about you because it's like, ah, oh, the day you cash in your crypto and you've kind of got, you know, money to burn, even if you wanted to go and buy, um, you know, like your 992 GT3, whether it's a Touring or whether it's got wings, 
um, sounds like you can't actually do it. Like, because the people that I was referencing was um, that Damien guy from the Car Guys, um, Sam Moores, who's got that um, Porsche chat um, podcast, who I kind of tend to follow his stuff. He's a photographer. He's obviously, he's got a lot of sort of family wealth and he just kind of flogged his... Um, his F40 and stuff like that and bought a 812 super fast. So like somebody of his ilk, as an example, sorry. So like he's obviously got tons of money. You can, he's a proven car guy. He's got a GT3 RS, a 997 GT3 RS. He had a GT4. So he's a, he is actually like yeah. a proven Porsche customer yeah. as well. Um, then on top of that, he's, you know, like, I don't think he's sort of like the top of the tree of social influences, but he's got like a profile, like he's, you know, like he's kind of more JWW kind of thing. Um, and he still can't get a car because he, he sort of said that he's been trying to get on a list since the 901s came out. Which is crazy. And honestly, you know, yeah. I think for Porsche, so he's a, I think for car? Porsche, I think for Porsche, he's a better person to have as a brand ambassador than JWW. Sorry. Um, and I don't understand, yeah. I don't understand all these YouTubers and I like TGE. I don't have a problem with TGE TV yeah. um, with his Porsche collection. Yeah. I, I like him. I can watch him. Same. But, yep. you know, JWW, honestly, I'm not going to watch him anymore. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I watched that because it was about Porsche. I will not watch any more of his videos. I've unfollowed him from Instagram. He just annoys the shit out of me. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, same. Same. I stopped watching him ages yet. And also the order of his... the. Yeah, and the order of his video, right? He makes out like it's such a big deal that he got this allocation for a colour. You know, like you said, and people like Sam Walls, other people, you know, and Damien from the car guys, who, who should be getting an allocation for a goddamn GT3, right? Honestly, you know? Well, they've got a... I don't know. It's just really interesting because um, take it out of, like, influencer world, I just... It, it does make you kind of think that all of a sudden... If um, you are a car person, or even if you have bought like a Porsche from a like a new Porsche from a dealership, it sounds like that's not really enough to kind of secure yourself a, a 992 GT3. I don't know what it's like in Australia. I have no idea. Like I don't know anyone, I don't and know. I guess some of the um, Porsche forums, Australia people or James mm. uh, Porsche Platz or somebody like that might have a little bit more insight. Or um, that other guy, Stephen. Um, Stephen uh, from Sydney. Was yeah. in, yeah, it was on. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's. I've, I've, I still think it's probably the you know the top top Porsche guys are getting them. You know what I mean? People have had speedsters. People have had nine eleven Rs. People have had, you know, two rings before maybe. Um, I don't know how you get yeah. in with Porsche Sydney or Porsche Willoughby. I guess it's a pretty hard process though. Um, smaller well, market, yeah, smaller market in Australia, but also smaller allocations. I've read a few kind of threads here and there, like, you know, on Piston Heads and Renlist and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, like, I, look, I'm sure everybody's kind of, I'm not sort of saying anything new, but when people are kind of implying that, like, some dealers are kind of honest and say, look, you know, it goes on spend and we've kind of got some customers that have spent, you know, like a, quite a few million dollars on cars over the years, they will get a car. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, yeah. like if you've only spent, you know, like a couple of hundred thousand, um, it's very unlikely. Like you, unfortunately, sir, you'll be at the bottom of the list. And it's like, whoa, that's um, it's pretty full on. But wasn't there something about people that got speedsters? The first people they looked at were people that had 918 spiders. And then if you had that, or was that the 911R? If you had a 918 spider, then you that could get, R. then you'd get the R. Yeah. 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 You had to get... They were, they were the first people that kind of got options on getting an R. And it's just a bit of a funny one because obviously the furor is like, well, you are talking to these super rich, like, and those kind of people probably can afford 
to just go, oh, yeah, I'll kind of grab one because they knew that it would be rare and they probably knew that um, they could make money on it. Not, And I, I, I guess that's part of it too. So, like, just making cars that people can kind of enjoy and not worry so much about the flipping value and all that sort of but stuff. But the problem with the problem is with this allocation, I just want to finish on one thing about, J, about that JWW video, right? And I know there's a lot of people who mm. are disagreeing and I know a lot of people love him and, and I, I probably, like, made people hate me from saying that. But, you know, this podcast has always been about me and Steve just speaking our mind. Um, it's always been about, you know, yeah. our enthusiasm um, and things that annoy us and things we like and things that annoy us. That just annoyed me during the week. But the thing that annoyed me the most, apart from the allocation and apart from that, you know, PTS comment, right, um, was mm. that he did the videos very carefully where he put the GT3 one out first and then he put the GT3 RS 4.0997 one out second. Now... Well, yeah, of course you're going to get allocation if you bought one of those. I don't know whether he bought it from the same dealer. I think he did, didn't he? Well, it kind of was implied because, like, the car was under a cover in exactly. the background in the first video. Exactly. So, like, I'm assuming that he bought it from the same dealership. Yeah, um, which he probably did. And look, you know, that's an all-time kind of monster car, like that black um, uh, 4.0. It's such a nice car, but it... This is going to sound like a little bit bitchy, I suppose, but the spec of it's a f sort of tiny bit kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, a little like bit. Like it's got um, GT2 seats, like the folding buckets as opposed yeah. to the Carrera buckets. Yeah, it's it. not a great spec. And, it's not a great spec, um, I don't think. Not well optioned. He, he sort of talked about how he liked it because all the kind of bits of red sort of matched each other um, mm. sort of thing. But I would have thought that um, if you're going to, like surely that's like a crazy expensive car. But I would have thought that if you were in that type of territory buying that type of car, that you would have wanted the Carrera GT-style seats. Mm. You probably would have wanted carbon ceramics, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. It was slightly, slightly funny kind of spec, I thought. Yeah, enough of all that. But the thing is, anyway, this allocation thing that Steve you know, pointed out, and we all know about this allocation of GT3s, how not even <laughs> you know, people who should be getting one can get one. This is in the UK. I don't know if it is in the US. Um, if anyone's listening who's got an allocation for a, for a GT3 um, 992, let us know. But, hmm. you know, then we get back onto Porsche values again, and we have to hit this because this allocation thing with GT3s, and I was going to say, Steve, you know, this, this chip shortage, hmm. which Porsche is still using and everyone else is still using, um, where they, yep. you know, let all the chips go to the television manufacturers instead of keeping them for cars, um, because yep. for some reason they thought cars wouldn't sell during COVID. Um, you know, they... You know, you, you can't even order a, a, a Carrera or a Carrera S, apparently. The wait list now is mm. like a year just to order a, a basic 911. I mean, mm. you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know how long it would even take you to get, if you want a GTS, the new GTS in manual, because it's in manual. How do you get one of those? You know, it must be, you know, the, the gentleman that spoke to me a couple of weeks ago said he's waiting until what? What did I say? Next year, right? He's waiting still another seven months for oh, it. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, in the yeah, U yeah. I think he's in the US or in the UK. Another seven months for it. Like, it's a long wait yep. you have to wait. And like you said, you know, what happens then? Does a new model come out, the new generation? What do you do? You know, if it's on the cusp yeah. of the new generation. So there's a lot of decisions yep. to be made. And this, you know, you don't get the instant gratification. So we come back to the classic car market. We come back to bring a trailer. We come back to the reach of bring a trailer. And how even though there are these other auction sites like collecting cars and... and um, Doug DeMuro's one, whatever that's called. I can't remember what it's called. Cars and Bids. Cars and Bids, you know. Bring a Trailer is still the leader, right? And I think what Bring a Trailer is owned by Haggerty now. I think Haggerty bought Bring a Trailer, didn't it? Or someone like that. Um, did it? I think so. It was bought out. 
I think the guy sold out and he made an absolute mint from it. I heard that on another, on right. a Chris Harris podcast, I think. Um, bring a trailer right. is still the leader, right? It still gets the most people. I mean, obviously collecting cars is doing really well. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, you know, if you can't get a new car, we know this is forcing people to buy classic cars. You know, it's forcing people to buy used ones. Now, you just said if I, you know, if I made money from investments, you know, I couldn't even buy a new GT3. And that's true. You'd have, to buy, you'd have to buy one that someone's just bought and flipped straight away, which would cost you yep. a premium. Or you could look at a 991.2, which I'm very keen on, and I think a lot of people are keen on. And manual's obviously the pick, but obviously the PDK, if you if PDK came up at a good at a good price on the 991.2, I think you couldn't you couldn't say no to it, Steve. I know you're more manual, but I think you couldn't say no to it if it was a good price, um, but yeah. not at the same price that manuals are going for, which it looks like they are at the moment in Australia. They're all about 365 for manual or PDK. It's like, well, you get the PD, you get the manual. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there's I a couple of there's the, a couple of good ones for sale in Australia. Though. There's the crayon. You know, that's one of my favourite colours. I think there's two crayon yeah. ones for sale at the moment. Chalk crayon. Yep. yep. I suppose though, like if you're, you know, again, I was kind of going, oh well, if you've kind of got like a four hundred thousand dollar kind of water cash and you've got money to burn, um, you can't go and order your new nine hundred two GT three because you just can't get on the list. I suppose if you kind of had that sort of money and you just really wanted the car, because obviously it's a, like they're obviously going to be great cars. I, I suppose there's nothing from to stop you from then going and paying the premium and kind of you know going to an independent kind of car dealer or back to a Porsche dealership and sort of going and buying you know a nearly new one, having to pay the premium because I guess what's protecting you is that. Um, undoubtedly, they are going to hold their value in the near yes. future. Like you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't pay double kind of thing, but no. if you had to kind of pay a premium, then I guess you know that you're kind of doing all right. It just it obviously um, you know we're not saying anything that hasn't been said before. Like a, obviously, greats on like most of us, like the kind of enthusiasts in us. But um, I suppose if you're truly in the market, you it's it's not like a completely stupid thing to do. Yeah, but I mean, it's gone to the days where you can just think, oh, I want a new car, I'll go and order it. Or they might have one in stock yeah, or I might exactly. have to wait three weeks. You know what I mean? Gone yeah. to those days, yeah. it's not going to happen ever again. Having said that, though, are you on, are you on any of the um, Australian dealerships' um, mailing lists? No. No. Or Porsche Australia? I got an no. email. I got the official email for that um, Australian edition, you know, the 70th year yes. Australian edition. And it's like, oh... I wonder if that means that they're actually still available if they're sending this email out or whether I would have thought that oh, maybe right. they might just be sold out. Yeah, you'd think they'd be sold out, maybe right? about two weeks ago, I think. They're not cheap, though. They're not cheap, no, are they? crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap. And a friend of Stephen in Sydney's has bought one, I think. Um, hmm. But they're not cheap. Um, I just want to carry on with this just a little bit because we're talking about the GT3, right? And, of course, like we said, you hmm. don't want to buy it at crazy prices, Steve. You wouldn't buy it at, like you know, what 911R prices were going for when they were selling for, you know, $1.1 million, $1 million in Sydney. And, and then they dropped yeah. back to 579 569 Anyone that bought one at that price got a bargain, you know, or 600 even got a bargain. I mean, I think in what Australia... Are they now? I don't I don't know, because there was like two or three on car sales and they all sold, they sold pretty quickly. And I think it was, the range yeah. was 579 to 639 I think which is, I still think is a great price for that car. I think you would never lose money on that car. I mean, it retailed for 450 I think, when it was launched in Australia, plus on roads, yeah. um, and you had to be yeah. invited to buy one. I think you said you knew someone or worked with someone who, a client that had one, didn't you? you yeah, told me. a client, 
client sort of admitted that he, um, well, not admitted, he just, I, I came to recognise that he was a car guy and then he had a GT3 RS and he told me about his 911R and he flogged it for over a million. But his, I've said this before, his um, little anecdote was he didn't necessarily buy it to kind of make money on it, but it got to the point where it appreciated so much that he couldn't, he couldn't get insurance for it at the actual kind of market value, like, you know, the million instead of the half million or less than half million. And he didn't really want to drive it on the street because he knew it was so valuable, um, didn't want to rack up the miles. So he had this amazing car, which he really, really kind of wanted to enjoy, but he couldn't enjoy it because of the value got so high. So he got rid of it. It's a really funny conundrum when you think about that logic. Yeah, and that's. but then again, you know, you really do want to get, um, you know, that, and I was having this conversation on own stories, but, you know, you want to get your mm. car valued at, at the, not at the, at what value you want, right? What is that? Agreed value. You want agreed value. You don't agreed want market value. Because if you get market value yeah. and it's too low, I'm worried my car now is underinsured. I am really worried because they wouldn't insure it anymore. I'm worried it's, it's underinsured by 10 grand, right? Um, and I want to talk about these GT3 prices from that post and what you think yeah. based on your car, Steve, too. Um, yeah. Because if it's underinsured and you have an accident, God forbid, and your car and, and the insurance company writes it off, because you're that... Well, if it's written off, yeah. Yeah, yep. written off because you're underinsured, then you're in trouble. So you have to get agreed value. You have to push it. Now, I'm thinking if Porsche insurance in Australia doesn't give me the what I want, then I might have yep. to change insurance companies and get what I want because I know you changed um, because I want a certain value now and it's not the value that Porsche insurance would give me. You know, And I know they said, oh, let us check car sales and get back to you. It's like, surely that's not your only goddamn you know, reference point is car sales. No, I... And I don't think it is because I think insured values are very different from advertised values. Like, I think we kind of all get a bit hung up too on um, the prices that you see advertised, but that doesn't necessarily equate to what the car is actually kind of sold for, for starters. Um, and I think when it comes to insurance too, like, um, you know, you often get your kind of letter in the mail and they kind of go, hey, you know, like, this year we want to make your car worth, like even though it was worth like 120 last year, like this year we think it's worth 100. Yeah, and, which you know, is what like, they did to me. Inevitably everybody's, yeah, everybody sits there and kind of goes, well, where did you get that number from? Um, because yeah. you're cross-referencing other things. Like I believe from a little bit of knowledge from insurance industry types, um, it's not just done off, you know, like kind of car sale values and stuff like that. I and know. You'd also like to think that Porsche Australia um, will should should have a much better kind of be far more in tune with the value of you know like a GT3 than you know NRMA kind of thing. But well, in uh, February, Porsche Insurance yes. put my car down by I think it was four thousand dollars of what it was the previous yep. year. Now that's in January. Yep. Now we know what the price yep. what the market was in January. The market in January yep. was like the market at the end of 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they still thought it was a 997 Carrera with that low kilometers and that in whatever in that condition was worth four yeah. grand more, which I argued. Yes. And they put the four grand back, yes. but they wouldn't give me any more yeah. than that. They wouldn't actually take it up to any higher than that. Now, if my car was written off today, one, yes. due to the lack of cars on the market, I probably wouldn't be able to get one. And two, if I could no, find one, wouldn't. I'd have to top it up with extra money because there wouldn't be enough yes. cash there. Yes. And I'd probably be, yep. I'd probably, I reckon I would be 15 grand short. Yeah, I reckon you probably would be too. But uh, so, so I, I talked about this again as well. Like same thing happened to me. Like I did my renewal, what, maybe about a month ago? And the same thing, I was with Porsche um, Insurance. They sent me a thing 
but in the same breath of sending me the email, the guy that um, you know that was looking after me sort of said, "Oh, we have a feeling that your car might be um, under. So, like, if you want me to go back and have a look at um, the value of it, I'd be happy to." Which I obviously sort of said yes because he was about uh, twenty or thirty grand under. Um, so he went back, and then they kind of agreed to it. So I think my my tip when it comes to insurance renewals is pretty much and i do it absolutely every year which is i always pick up the phone and ring them and just sort of go look you know i don't i'd like to kind of talk about like um the agreed value and sort of um you know like inevitably sort of bump it bump it back up because inevitably every year they try to bump it down on you but um with like exactly what you just sort of said for a second there does come a point where even though let's just pretend it's your car and you sort of go, hey, like you'd much rather have your car um, valued at 120, but they'll, they're only doing it at 100. There does come a point where they will go your full 120, but um, they charge you handsomely in your premium. And you might find that the happy medium is actually like 110, where the premium isn't that much higher to kind of get it to that point. Yeah, true, true. Um, which is kind of where I got to. Yeah, exactly. I just want to lead into... Um uh, James, James at Porsche Platz. Um, James has been on Owner Stories before. Um, if you haven't followed James on Instagram, give him a follow, Porsche Platz, P-L-A-T-Z. Um, <clears throat> James um, finds cars for people in Australia, Porsches. Um, he has RSR Classics, his business. And he put a post on Porsche Forums Australia. I hope, James, you don't mind me saying this on the, on the podcast. I'm sure you don't. Um, and he's after a GT3, 996 or 997 GT3. Hmm. Whether this is for himself or for a client i don't know but he's after one and then someone called him out and said what are the prices that you think are the reasonable prices so he put the prices down and i think that he's pretty spot on steve what do you think i think these prices are pretty spot on and i'm just going to read them out 996.1 and this is australian dollars for get your converters out all the people um, overseas are listening 996.1 with high kilometers in rough condition james reckons is around 140 to 150 Australian dollars, 150,000 Australian dollars. Good clean condition, yep. reasonable kilometres around 170 to 190, 996.1. And super clean, yep. low kilometres around 250. That, that just blows my mind, by the way, for a 996.1. 996.1 is obviously more collectible, it seems. 996.2, uh, he makes the point that he's only seen a few lately for sale. Good clean and reasonable condition, 170K mm. to 200K. Steve. Yeah, and I've seen, like... Uh, I sort of read a few of the, well, particularly the GT3 kind of posts on that Porsche Forums Australia thing. So, again, like when you read some of the pricing on there, some people divulge like um, either the prices they're willing to pay or they bought for as opposed to like, you know, just trawling car sales and looking at the actual advertised prices. So, I mean, I was quite surprised how um, dear 996 um, point ones are getting like they're yes. right up to the 200s which is yeah. kind of like where I th- where you know only a couple of months ago I thought that's what the price of a 997.1 was at exactly so then we go on to the 997.1 he doesn't put 997.2 obviously he's not he hasn't got the details or he's not interested in that they're around 220 yeah. to 250 now yep. 220 is probably what you thought it was Steve 250 do you think it was, it was as high as 250 uh, yeah, I think so. Like, I'm pretty sure that um, on it's obviously kind of based on condition. Like, I do follow those quite a bit. Um, and again, I've only got the um, I've only got the sale prices to kind of go by. But you can tell, like, when obviously a sale price kind of goes up and the car moves really quickly. Um, 
I won't say who they are because I do actually know um, people that have bought and sold 997.1s similar to my car. And yeah, and it, it actually fits that kind of number quite accurately that range. It's interesting though, isn't it, Steve? Because originally if you were looking yes. for a GT3, you think, okay, I'll get the 996.1 because it's the one that's going to be the cheapest. The 0.2 yep. will be a bit more expensive because people like the upgrades that were done on the 0.2, right? Yeah. Um, and then the 997 is going to be out of my price range. Now, if you're buying a yeah. GT3, your 996.1 top end is 250. Your 997.1 is around 250, right? And then your nine nine six point, and then your nine nine six point two is actually at a price where hmm maybe I could maybe I should be looking at the nine nine six point two if what James has put down is correct and like I said James buys and sells Porsches so he has a you know he has knowledge and he knows a lot of people that owns that have good Porsche yeah. uh, big Porsche collections big Porsche collections I think he'd have pretty pretty good insight yeah. yeah yeah and I trust what James has put on these figures and I think well that's interesting if you're shopping you know and, you know I'm not everyone knows I want a GT three eventually right. So, and I look at these prices and I go, well, what would I be shopping for? And I, I, you kind of pinpoint the, the 0.2996, but then they don't come up. So if they do start to come up and they start to sell, then is that price going to go as well? And I'm guessing these, these levels are probably pretty similar around the world. I think, you know, based on currency or whatever, but I think they're probably pretty close. What do you think? Yeah. So if we were talking specifically about you um, and, you know, like you were ready to kind of move on your GT3, um, a, all I can say is that the going up, like get in, <laughs> because it does feel like it is just kind of going up and, I don't know, anecdotally I sort of feel like um, there seems to be kind of fewer of them. Like I reckon um, yeah. maybe they're kind of getting bought and like it'll get to the point where people will hold on to them yeah. sort of longer and they won't get flipped as much. People are hodling. Um, but I reckon to, like specifically kind of for you, um, there's no bad car on that. Like, you think about it. Like, if you had a 996.1 or a 0.2 or a 997.1 or even if you could stretch to a 0.2, they're all going to be amazing cars. You'd be the happiest man alive um, because exactly. but they, would, they, would all be, <laughs> they would all be really, really cool, but they would all be so enjoyable in their own right and they'd have their kind of differences, but, you know, I don't think there's a bad one in there. No, there's not a bad one in there, and a GT3 is a great car, and a lot of people aspire to having a, a GT3. But that doesn't mean that a slow yeah. car isn't as exciting, Steve. Let's segue into this. <laughs> it doesn't mean a slow car isn't exciting. And Benjamin said this said this to me in, in the owner stories. Um, yep. He said he's a slow car, fast type of guy, I think he told me. Yep. I'm pretty sure it was Benjamin. Yep. Slow car, fast type of guy. And I've heard that before, yep. that slow car, fast thing, and I liked it. I liked it that much that I just sort of put it into the podcast. And yeah, Matt Farah's spoken about it quite a bit, I think. Yeah, and it made me think as well is that we go back into this thing and we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it was something I heard in a, oh, I'm going to say Matt Farah again, in Smoking Tire podcast during the week. I think it was with Hannah Elliott, Magnus Walker's partner. Um, but yep. is it getting to the point now we are too obsessed with speed, right? Is, is the thing that attracts people, and I know it's not with the GT3, maybe not so much for everyone. It's not really about the speed, right? But it kind of is about the speed. No. It is about the performance. It's about the performance more than the speed. But the point that I was going to get to is this thing with classic cars and the car market and, you know, that thing with electric cars. And I think uh, in Smoking Tire, they were chatting about, like, how cars feel at traffic lights, how when you're sitting at the traffic lights, and I could get this wrong, but I think they were talking about how cars sit at the traffic lights and how, you know, a Mustang to a Corvette to whatever car, you know the difference to a car by how it rumbles and how it, 
how it is at the traffic lights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the point was, is that with an electric car, doesn't matter what you've got, Taycan, Tesla, whatever, they all feel the same. They all are pretty much the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't really feel any different. You don't get the character of the car coming out. It's like, are they an appliance? Probably. They don't have as much character. They don't have that internal combustion engine feel. They don't have that experience that you get. And because everyone's mm-hmm. going to start to buy electric cars, and I think, you know, even in the next couple of years, with the amount of people, the uptake of electric cars and more, you know, electric trucks, pickups in America coming on the market, you know, and things like that, where people are going to buy more electric cars. You know, this thing with top speed, the thing with this obsession with top speed and 0 to 100 or 0 to 60 miles an hour is a bit obsolete, yeah. right? Because it's like, well, yeah, I can go as fast as I want because I can go under three seconds or close 2.2 seconds or whatever ridiculous speed it is. Yep. I don't know, Steve, you know, does this make, does this make slower cars like 912s? one of my favorites and even 914s which i've been looking at and if anyone's looking for a 914 a one owner original 914 just came up on european collectibles in ivory um 41,000 us dollars which i know is top dollar for a two liter um but jerry seinfeld said the two liter is is more enjoyable um it came up mm-hmm. yesterday it's a really good one it's it, to me it looks like a really good one but does this mean the slower cars you know, a slower cars, is this why the classic market is starting to pick up? This thing about, you know, top speed of electric cars and 0 to 100 in two seconds and 0 to 60 in two seconds or whatever. And is this why the classic market is going crazy? It's not really about COVID. It is about the market changing with the electric generation coming through. Yeah, I think it's probably because people are kind of realizing it's even prior to like... Um electric kind of cars like if you think of say i guess more accurately like um an 11 turbo or a um was it a 488 versus a 458 ferrari yes i think people kind of started to realize that actually a 458 was perfectly sufficient and without the turbos there was a sort of like different kind of power delivery and everything like 488 is amazing like yes if you can afford it kind of thing but from that point onwards do you really actually need that much power? Um, no, obviously you don't. Um, you know, and then Chris Harris has kind of banged on where he sort of said that um, about 500 brake horsepower is is about the limit. Like you don't need more than that. And he's obviously got skills. Like, you know, when it comes to I was going to say when um, when whether it's us or anybody kind of quotes not to 100 times like. It is a bit of a furphy, really, because, like, when was the last time you sat at the traffic lights and you literally dumped your clutch (laughs) to get the fastest not to 100 time that you possibly could? There's no way that you're going to have that little mechanical sympathy on your own car. So, like, Mm. those numbers are relatively, like, you talk about it because it kind of gives you a measurement, but it's sort of quite irrelevant when when you think about it. Like, I know there are some people... Um, who are quite enthusiastic and they kind of go and take the car to drag strips on a weekday night, like a proper drag strip, just to kind of test it and you get your jollies out of that, which is like more than cool, like, you know, part of your hobby sort of thing. But I think to a, a layman like you or I, like um, a nought to a nought to 100 time is, when you think about it, relatively meaningless. But, you know, I've heard it on podcasts and I've read it in articles as well mm. that a lot of people that buy yeah. Teslas or electric cars, they don't even know. A lot of, some of the people don't even know the power they've got. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a yeah. sudden you've got, you know, you've got all this, you know, you've got your 80s and 90s cars, your 80s and 90s and 70s sports cars that 
that all of them now are slow to a family electric car. You know, the, the oh, Model, a, Model S Plaid or the Model S. You know, everything everything is faster. You know what I mean? So it gets to the point where you, it is more, it, we come back to this experience thing, Steve, don't we? We do come back to more of the experience and, and the fun of the drive. Um, and I think even more so, and I know the GT3 is fast and the GT3 RS is fast, whatever. But well, is there a big is, but is there a big gap now? You know what I'm saying? Like, is there a big gap between your GT3 and my Carrera? As in, if the electric market is so flooded and electric cars are taking off, and 50% of people have electric cars, does it really matter if you're driving a GT3 or GT3 or you're driving a 997? Because compared to electric cars, the experience far outweighs oh, I it. See what you're far outweighs it. You know what I mean? Um, so everything, the way you think about things, the way your mindset is, is, is everything is changing. You know, this is what I'm trying to, trying to work out. You know what I, I mean? get what you're saying. I think there's a catch to it, though, because I don't think, and like I know we're just talking about the theory of it. Like, um, again, I've heard on Zach and Matt talk about it on Smoking Tire, like um, where, you know, that kind of adage where... Um, for car enthusiasts, whenever they sort of go, what car should I get, you know, to get my jollies? And they kind of joke that the answer is a Miata MX-5. Um, but in the same breath, like everybody has also kind of said, but they're slow. So they're hell fun. Like, and, you know, like if you know how to drive one and you, it's a momentum car, you kind of go to the twisties or take it to the track or whatever. Um, it's a great car to kind of get your jollies, but they are actually kind of slow cars. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I kind of equate that to like um, when I had my 993 um, and I, I possibly could probably feel like that to a degree with my GT3 now even like which is in my 993 I remember sort of going yeah this sounds great blah 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 it's a mad fun car but um, you know like if I was going to go for a convoy drive with my cousin in a you know and I was chasing a you know later model GTI or a Golf R or whatever I wouldn't be able to keep up with that thing so there is a point where you kind of also went, well, this was a fast car, but it ain't anymore. And yeah. do I crave a little bit more speed and power? And I, I do, like that was one of the reasons for kind of shifting on from the 993 is as cool a car as that was, it's like, oh, it feels a little bit, <laughs> feels a tiny bit slow. Right. And like, I'm sure like if I, you know, same thing. So like if I had to go and chase like a current model, you know, Golf R in my GT3 and, you know, I'm no race car driver, I, you know, I don't think I'm a great driver. I don't think I'm kind of terrible, but I don't yeah. think I'm brilliant. Yeah. Um, I would get outpaced by a Golf R and, you know, like you're talking about, a, you know, a Porsche GT3. So like... Yeah, it's crazy. To a degree, to a degree, yeah, like obviously the point that, you know, you sort of were sort of uh, talking about is partly, it's not just about power and speed. Obviously there's so much more to it than that. Like it's noise and handling and you know like there's many different kind of aspects to it um kind of it's more about how it mm. sort of makes you feel and you know like to that point i would still argue and i'm guess i'm guessing without sort of sounding rude like um even if you were debating it when you sort of said oh like is there really going to be any difference between your carrera and my gt3 i would say yes there is actually quite a big difference um and there is a difference because i've driven and both. it's not Right, but the yeah, thing is, not, is that difference that factor. important? But is that difference that important when electric cars become, you know, fifty percent, sixty percent of the population? Do you know what I mean? This is where mm, I'm. Tr you know no. what I mean? Like it's it's a tricky one because it is. It'll well, be against your budget. It, it'll be it'll really be against your budget, sort of thing. It'll be more 
Yeah. It's a budget, right? It's yeah. a budget thing. But it's rethinking as well. We all have to recalibrate our minds because we're so used to top speed and we're so used to 0 to 60, 0 to 100. You yes. know, we're so used to all yes. these things, which now is like, well, yeah, the electric cars can do that, but do you want one? You know what I mean? I mean, I can, I can, cook, well, my, I can cook my meals in a microwave every night, but it doesn't taste the same as going out and getting my private yeah. chef to cook for me. You know what I mean? It's, it's that same sort of analogy. It's like that's kind of how it feels. Do you know what I mean? Like... I think it's funny. The thing I find funny about this sort of thing too is that people are starting to look backwards at cars that weren't really like uh, the one I'm thinking of mainly is like an E36 M3. Yeah. Like I remember when they kind of came out, like, you know, they were very common. Yeah. Then as time went on, you know, the E46 came out, which was like the M3 to have yeah, and the E92. And then everybody kind of shat on like E36s and just sort of said, oh, that was a terrible, terrible yeah. version of an M3. Like that's not the one to have. Yeah. But if you now look at the prices of those and you look at the conversation that's going on, yeah. everybody's starting to look back at that car with kind of rose-tinted glasses to a degree and they're starting to go, oh, that was a, that's a great I car. I hate to say it, but was that because these people weren't born when that car was out? And this, is, this came up yeah, in something possibly. I was listening to the other day, that people aren't born so they think that these cars are so good, but they don't remember them in the time. So if they don't remember them in the time, they think they're just something like fantastic when they were never were fantastic, you know? And that's why all these cars, all these you know, even some of the Japanese cars well, are going up in value, you know? But is it because also, like we've sort of said before, that cars have become so competent and, you know, like your average kind of hatchback versus your BMW 3 Series sedan or whatever, they're all kind of of such a kind of good level that if you really wanted to fang it and you're sort of trying to, you know, go fast around the old Pacific Highway, you can pretty much do that in any kind of car and go quickly not i'm not talking about how fun it is but if you want to kind of go quickly and keep up with something you can kind of do that quite well but um yeah it's, is it because they're all so competent that people are now sort of looking back at some of these cars like an e36 or like they'll look back at yes. some of these porsches that we're talking about or whatever like a boxster yes and um people are then kind of going oh okay um, there's actually much more to it than, you know, just kind of getting from A to B really quickly. Like, um, the, all these sort of cars that we didn't think were that great are actually like a lot more fun than we kind of, um, kind of gave them credit for. Yeah. And is that the, is that the result of making a perfect appliance, right? You're making the perfect electric yeah. car. You're making yes, this electric car. Yes. I'm sure the quality's crap, right? Of, of the body, but you're making a car that does everything for everyone, you know? Eventually, it will yep. have a toaster yep. in it. You know, it does absolutely everything for everyone, and it's too perfect. Yep. So these cars that weren't so perfect, you know, you forget their flaws. You forget the flaws of the Boxster 986. You know, um, yep. speaking to – I'm going to forget who it was now. It's going to pass my mind. I'm sorry. Someone on Owner Stories, you might remember Steve, who had the BMW M3 E39, and he had it in SMG, and he said he liked the SMG. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it had the kick to it, um, as opposed to like a, the equivalent um, dual clutch transmission, yeah. which didn't have it. And um, he liked the um, that it sort of kind of gave you that little yes. shove, like when yes. you sort of change gears. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. we hate, you know, these things that were hated at the time. And motoring journalists used to like just harp on and harp on, you know, and enthusiasts yeah. on forums harp on and harp on. But these flaws now become character traits. They become traits that people are attracted to and people are willing to, like, overlook and and buy these cars. And it's happening. It yeah. is happening. And maybe that is the perfection. Well, you know, they're not perfect, but, you know, this, this thing about electric cars, you know, doing everything. Maybe you want something yeah. that doesn't do everything 100% right. You know, you want some character 
And that's what I think, um, I don't know, I think that's what it's about. Yeah, I, I definitely so. Like, you know, I've from what, sort of late, maybe about 2010 onwards, whenever I jumped into like a new model car, I can't think of one off the top of my head, oh, maybe like Mercs and stuff like that. It's just that they're so good. Like they're fast, they're really talky, but they're super quiet and all of that sort of stuff. You just didn't feel like you kind of got anything out of it, even if you sort of, you know, flawed it. Um, it just just didn't have that kind of character and it sort of got to the point where it's like, wow, like I have to drive really, really quickly to get any sort of enjoyment, like sort of visceral kind of enjoyment out of the car. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you're kind of driving to work every day, like if you have to kind of do the commute and you're driving, then um, that's brilliant kind of thing, which is also um, one of these plus things about an EV. Like I'm sure if I had to kind of drive to an office every day, then a Tesla or a Taycan would be absolutely kind of perfect for that. Um, yeah. But not for not not for my weekend jollies. No, and I you know I spoke to someone on owner stories this week. It's coming up next week. Right. And you know um, Brian, who's got a he's got a Tesla Model Three, and he says you know most right. of the time they take that the shops they use that because it's just so easy. Do you know what I mean? It's just so easy. Yep. And I yep. think that is, you know, maybe everyone's going to have one in their garage, but it's not really going to give you you know it is your family car. It is your just your general you know day to day car. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what's going to happen. Wife's, like, my wife's always sort of like had that thing. Um, I think she kind of read that Elon Musk book and she kind of liked the looks of, uh, of Tesla's blah, blah, blah. So she's always sort of said that she's kind of, she'd love to have one and I've always kind of turned my nose up at it. Um, I can see like for somebody like her why it would be kind of really, really good in theory. Mm. Um, the, the Model just, Y, like, the Model me. Y Tesla would probably be a good one for you because it's supposed to be a good car, mm. a good family car. Not yet. Not yet, mate. I'd, like, in all seriousness, I would still, whilst we can, um, you know, and um, whilst, whilst we've still got kind of internal combustion engines Hang and they do it. actually make noise and they kind of have flaws and stuff, like, um, you know, like, I just drive the hell and, and yep. enjoy all of these cars while you can. It's like I laughed at my um, cousin who bought the um, M3 recently. He, um, at the same, well, not long after, so he bought this F80 M3, yeah. which is his pride and joy. Nice car. You know, super cool. Yeah, I like them. Um, Competition, right? Then he bought he bought a 1.4 TSI Golf off his um, parents. Like, they okay. needed a new car, so he bought that car off them right. to do the commuting. Like, he kind of has to drive, I think, right. maybe about 30 or 40 kilometres a day. Right. And it's like... He was kind of going, oh, it's such a great car, it's such a great car. It's like, no, mate, it's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, you know, like, we've only got so much time left with, like, you know, something as cool as Try something a three. bit better. Yeah, just enjoy it. Don't, you know, don't save the mileage. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, enjoy the car because I bet you in, like, 10 or 15 years when we're all driving around in, you know, Dyson cars, like... Um, you just may as well make the most of it while yeah. you can. So, yeah, like, true. I personally would still love to just kind of keep going with a, you know, like a V8 or something like that, yep. um, you know, as the family kind of trucks to just for a while. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, when when the time comes to switch to EV, I'll do it, absolutely. And I'm sure, like, I'll see the um, what's good about it, but I reckon it's just kind of um, make the most of it while you can. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll tell you what I've been looking at, though, and um, I know Marco mm. has one. I've been looking at R32s. I don't know why I keep talking to people that have had R32s. Yeah, they're cool. You never had one of those, did you? You had the VR6, right? 
No, out of VR6. And Marco, unless he's unless he's hiding something from me, um, I thought he he's got a VR6 on an R32. He has an R32 with really low kilometers. I think he told me. No, VR6. I think I'm pretty sure you're talking about VR6. Are you sure? First gen VR6. I yeah, thought yeah, Marco yeah. told me he had an R32. It's a VR6, is it? I'm pretty sure it's a VR6. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry, Marco. Marco, where are or, you? Or Steve's wrong. <laughs> Correct whoever's wrong, yeah. please. Um, Steve, I just want to... But think they're we're, great cars. Yeah, they are. They're great cars. But there's, there's none available. There's none on car sales at all. Not one. Mm. No R32s, I'm telling you. That's the next one. You watch. It's, there's none. None. Um, I, I worked with a few Volkswagen heads, like um, a couple of guys who were massively into their Volkswagens. And that first generation R32, I think that was the Mark IV. Mark IV, Even yeah. the Mark IV wasn't, yes. like a, wasn't a great car. The R32, um, it sounded like that was the one to have because that was the first time they put um, that package together. Yeah. It's quite cool inside, though. It's very of the era, of the time, but it's quite good. Yeah, I thought they were great-looking cars. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's not many available, so maybe everyone's picked them up already. Um, Steve, we've got to go, but before we go, I just want to read out these um, few reviews, which I didn't read, read yeah, out. Um, so we've got three uh, Apple ratings and reviews is where we get seen, where the podcast gets seen, which pushes uh, our podcast up the charts in the US, UK, Australia. Um, we were number one in, um, I sent it to you, Steve, Costa Rica, wasn't it? Number one in Costa Rica. No, Italy, wasn't it? And we're number one in Italy too. Oh, we're also number one in Costa Rica. Sorry, I mustn't have sent that to you. I posted it on Costa Instagram. Rica. Yeah. <laughs> it's Costa Rica. <laughs> so number one, hopefully they can un- hopefully they um, understand everything we're talking about. Um, three new reviews anyway, and these reviews, <laughs> these reviews. Number one in Italy though, guys. Number one in Italy. Um, Kestas, it's all because of you. Thank you so much because of your Italian it's, connection. It's just him, right? Yep. Um, all right, it's just Kestas, <laughs> Steve. Perfect, perfect. Three reviews. I'm going to read them actually. Perfect Porsche community podcast. Those of us who have had the privilege of association with Porsche. We'll find a home in the community here, no matter where on the planet. The passion is evident. The chat is relaxing. The owner's story is inspiring. Hiring recommended to subscribe. And that's from Mark in the Southern Highlands. I know who Mark is. Thank you, Mark. Mark is Aircool32 in Australia. Um, I've been chatting to Mark on a uh, on Instagram. Um, the deluxe model of podcasts... Um, I started following Michael Bath on social media several years ago. His content is always intriguing and entertaining. I was glad to see he started Porsche Cooled and added his trusty sidekick, Steve. They, com- they complement each other very well. Lots of laughs and Guest. cover great topics of all things Porsche related. Keep the shiny side up and continue doing what you do. That's from the 997 Garage, Canada. Uh, and then the last one, Porsche Banter at its best. I love this podcast. Two Aussie guys chatting about all things Porsche. This podcast is best consumed with a large glass of red in your favorite comfy chair. Jez uh, in Great Britain. Jez Guy Mitch via Apple Podcast Great Britain. So thank you to those three people for leaving the, for leaving the uh, reviews. It does help. If you have some time, just go to Apple Reviews, give us a star rating. And if you have a little bit extra time, write a short review. It all helps. Steve, thank you. Let's get out of here. We're finished. Um, I know you've got work to do. I've got work to do as well. I do, and I'm feeling all over the shop. I had my second jab, and I think it's really made me kind of a bit floppy. Well, you know, I told you when I had my second jab, it knocked me out for 48 hours. So second jab of Pfizer, it knocked me out for 48 hours, which was a bit insane. I've just got a sore arm, but I'm feeling a little bit um, kind of groggy or something. I don't know. Your muscles aren't sore? I felt like I was all, like, aching, like I was just going to, like, you know... I couldn't even get no, out of bed just, that well. Just this arm. I don't want to put nuts. All good apart from that. <laughs>
you're fully vaccinated now. You're fully vaxxed. I was actually laughing. I shared, like, my retarded... I oh, shouldn't say that. My juvenile gag. <laughs> I was hoping that this second, like, this um, Pfizer jab would mean that I would sprout a second penis on my forehead. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> is, that the side of, is that one of the side effects? It's only 0.0001%, yeah, right? So, you, you know, you're probably going to yeah. be unlucky and miss out. <laughs> I said that to a friend this morning. I was having this... I was... I said that, had that joke with a friend this morning. She said, oh, maybe it's on the back of your head. You've got to look a little bit harder. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and let's end on that note. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Lost words. Yeah, lost words. You lost, I thought you were gone already. I thought he's gone. I didn't mean that quickly. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Steve coming in from Sydney, Australia. My name is Michael Bath. I'm in Bahrain. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. Bye for now.